Mike. Hi, Michelle. Hey. Hey, I don't understand something. How does the volume being low sound like a high-pitched voice? Well, that wasn't that. The high-pitched voice was something else entirely. It didn't do that the second time you called. It was your normal voice, just very faint. But the first time, it was your normal voice, very faint, and it sounded like you had been inhaling helium. It was so funny. Michelle, no need to be critical. I swear I thought you did it on purpose. I thought you were just messing with me. Michelle, what did you think of the 510 episode, Something Unforgivable? I thought it was a little unforgivable. You didn't like it? I, okay. I always like Saul. I always like the 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 show. Always. But I didn't like what they did in this episode. I think I would have rather seen something bad happen to Kim than her turn into something bad. So you don't like the plot? You don't like no. the stories going? No. No, I think it's sinister, but it's not um, soft, kind of whimsical sinister. It's just dark. Well, dark is good. Dark is better than whimsical. But that's not who Saul is. Saul has always been this kind of, you know, goofy. Um, no, Saul is dark, man. He, look at him in Omaha. He's like running for his life, worried about every corner. You know, someone's going to come and. I'm talking about the Saul that we're leading up to and Breaking Bad. Yeah, he's, he's dark too. He's dark, but he's doofy dark. And Kim's not doofy dark. Kim is just dark. All right, Michelle. I mean, it's be you know, rough one. I can feel it coming. Yeah, I guess it was. It was not my favorite episode. It was an unexpected turn. It kind of turned me off a little bit. I'm still a huge fan, and you know, it's okay. You don't have to. You don't have to apologize for what you think of it. Well, I just know that this this plot was not for me. It was not. I. I guess they can pull it out in some way that I would appreciate, but I just didn't like the plot and that happened. Of course, I love the actors and everything that they do, and I do respect everybody's opinion, which I did not read this week. This is all my very own thoughts with no outside influence whatsoever. No comments, no anything this week. Since it's the finale, I just wanted it to be all me. What do you think? Don't trip yourself up, because if you ever say one time, I read in a comment that. I watched. Uh, I can't. Well, I can't because I didn't. I didn't this week. But yeah, um, what did you think about the episode? Well, I can see. I like it. I like that they're fit, that they're kind of making Kim into something way different than what we thought. We were worried about Kim. Now we're worried about Jimmy, or Saul, or whoever, or somebody. I mean, we're not worried about Kim as much as we're like shocked by Kim. But I want to be sad when something happens to Kim. You just want to be sad, Michelle. <laughs> I just, I, I've, I've liked her for five years. Five years I've liked and appreciated her as a human being and her, um, you know, barely walking the line sometimes of, of justice and good and all that and for her just to flip-flop here on the last episode? I well, don't know. Maybe she didn't flip-flop. Maybe they just revealed more about her that we weren't aware of and didn't expect. 
I mean, kind of like, and this is a bad analogy because everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, see, because that was horrible, too. But, like, Daenerys was, she kind of always had that that power trip in her, and she was using the premise of doing something good for people and then using that, any, any and all power to accomplish whatever the good was to, you know, make that good happen. Is that true, or do you think she just got power hungry along the way? No, I think she always had it in her. Well, I, don't I mean, know about Kim, that about Daenerys, I would say she always had it in her. But yeah, I think everybody always kind of has it in them when they become when when their true self becomes revealed. But like Walter White too, he had a good cause to leave something behind for his family, and then he took any and every means um, necessary to accomplish it. And now Kim, you know, that's how they're massaging this story: is that she has a good cause for the pro bono people, and now she's using any and every way to get to finance that to make it happen but see at this point i mean it just changes everything right it changes everything because if jimmy or gene hooks up with her now then what's he gonna do well, and be no see that that's that's the beauty of all this is these characters are evolving into different things and we don't know what kim will be in 15 years She's such a great actress. She really is. I, she has. She and Lalo this season have just stolen the show for me. One thing I do like about the character of Kim is that she totally moved up on her own. We saw her with the alcoholic mom who didn't give a shit about her. And she didn't inherit a business. She didn't move into anything like freaking Howard grew into his father's law firm. Right. And Kevin Wachtel grew into his father's bank. Kim raised her own self up by her own bootstraps and became this smart, clever, if somewhat now a little bit devious, um, brilliant person that she is. I like that about her. She didn't rely on anyone else. She pulled herself up. Well, I don't because, because it's like they're saying that if you don't come from that, that, that then you have this other side in your in your psyche hiding somewhere i mean everybody who came from something doesn't do this kind of devious try to hurt people stuff that's a bit of a leap i think why do you think that's saying that why do you think what how are they making that point well you just talked about howard and howard's benign he's kind of What'd you call him? Milk toast. And um, so is Kevin. I mean, he was I'm not very. I'm making the correlation to evil or good, though. I'm just making the, the, the respect I'm thinking of offering them is that I give Kim way more respect for pr- pulling herself up to where she is. Only is... if she does right by it. Mm, no. Otherwise, you can't. No. Only, not only if she does right, but by just the strength of her will she became who she is yeah i don't i don't follow that that theory of thought because it's only good if you make good you know i mean it's not good if you make bad we can't look at um people who do terrible things and go well they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps but they went on to do this they were notorious or whatever i mean i you pull yourself up by your bootstraps to do something good yeah, you're attaching the good part to it. I'm just saying I, I admire the strength of the people that pull themselves up versus the people that walk into a role. 
that is that was there when they were born. And I say that I would admire them the same way if they didn't like like bring up the the part of their maybe childhood that shouldn't have been brought with it. Well, Michelle, I have no ifs in my philosophy. Well, we start off exactly where we left off. Oh, you didn't say, how did you like it? Well, I'm not done telling you all my preview stuff yet. Well, tell me, dang. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, What if, so what about, so this whole thing, what do you think is going to happen? Just let me get, let's get to that. It's the end of the season. We might not see another season of Better Call Saul for freaking two years with this. Who knows what production does and all this yeah. television. Well, we didn't see it for over a year anyway with nothing so going what on. What do you think is going to happen, Michelle? Um, you know, last time I was thinking that Lalo may have something, may hurt Kim or take Kim or something like that. I don't know that I've completely given up on that. But no. Lalo's a passing character. He's pretty interesting and he's powerful and all that, but he's a he's a chapter. Kim is a thread in this whole story. Jimmy's a thread. Kim and Jimmy are a thread. Lalo's a chapter. He'll he's gonna open and shut. Well, I don't. I, I mean, maybe. I know Kim's certainly been here longer, but kind of as a ancillary character almost. So. Something's going to happen with Kim, and maybe she comes to her senses. Maybe she goes to jail now. Do you think Jimmy becomes the bad, goofy Saul Goodman fully because he's trying to protect Kim? Versus before, we always just thought, oh, he's just on this path. Chuck pushed him off the lawyer, good lawyer, into the evil lawyer. But what what if Saul's doing this? What if Jimmy's doing this Saul act to protect Kim somehow? I mean, it it could certainly happen. I think he was headed that way anyway, but I think he's kind of proven that he would do. But he hasn't. He has not become fully Saul anywhere at all in this final, not final, but in this whole season. He never slipped totally into Saul. He was always Jimmy, nice guy Jimmy, you know, and then he's Saul sometimes. But he he needs more to push him fully into Saul. I mean, do we know in Breaking Bad, was he fully Saul? I mean, is he fully Gene now? Who knows? I don't yeah, think we got... In Breaking Bad, I would say he's fully Saul. Maybe. I don't know that we got enough of a glimpse of him. We only... We, we didn't get Saul's home life. We only got Saul's business. And if you were looking at it from his business only right now, you would think he was Saul. So I just... I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I think we see fully Saul. What do we see? What do we see that I'm not remembering? Well, in Breaking Bad, he's fully Saul. He's not really Jimmy so much. How do you know? Because we didn't. I saw. But we didn't see him at home. We didn't see him having dinner with people. We didn't see him having conversations with with females or anything. Yeah, we saw him hitting on Francesca. And... Oh, that's not the same thing. Why not? Because that was just him being, you know, kind of slimy. Would Jimmy McGill hit on Francesca now with 
Kim. Without Kim, he would, I think. Well, that's what I mean. He's got Kim. All right, Michelle, there are a couple things I didn't like about this episode, too, so I'll, I'll tell you now that um, these assassins were kind of a, a, a troop of clowns. I completely agree. <laughs> they should have been. I mean, then even Gus said, these are the best I could get, or these are the best in the West or whatever he said. Right. But they were kind of a stumbling, bumbling bunch of goofs. I completely agree. I think they were certainly not up to par. I mean, if you can have, why didn't Mike just go do it? I mean, Mike takes care of everything. All right, Michelle, what do you think happens to Lala? Um, I don't think Lala is quite so much a chapter character as you do. I could totally be wrong, but I think Lala is going to play out in the whole rest of next season, would be my guess. And I think that's why when we're introduced to Saul, he mentions Lalo. Did Lalo send you? Lalo, I think this whole thing, this whole terrified Jim and uh, Jimmy and Kim thing is going to play out for the whole season. And I think that they could potentially be in trouble. Although I still don't understand why he would be so upset over that. He meaning who? Lala would be so upset over Jimmy, not telling him about everything that happened there. Do you understand that? You got to be more specific. Would Jimmy Jimmy not telling him about what? About the gang ambush in the desert. Yeah, it just means that he's not. I mean, what if you had a relationship where your partner didn't tell you things that you know happened? Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know that it's kill worthy. It's not like Jimmy was in on anything, and I think he knows that and believes that. Do you not think he believes that? I don't think Lalo believes Jimmy was in on some some evil plot to steal the money because he delivered the money. But Lalo wants Jimmy to tell him everything. Right. And anything, any lie Jimmy keeps from Lalo, Lalo is not going to be very happy about Right. And I don't even blame him for doing that. But would he be that upset about it if Jimmy just, you know, like came out and said, I mean, maybe I'm just naive. I mean, I certainly am. But if Jimmy just came out and said, look, somebody tried to steal the money. I freaked out. I didn't want to tell you about it because... I knew you'd be upset. I was going to get the money here. I got the money here. And I just didn't want you to think I was inept well, or whatever. Well, answered this for me last week, Michelle, when I was struggling with it. it then he has to reveal Mike. And that reveals us. But, I mean, yeah, that's you true. You answered this already, that Jimmy can't just say, hey, I got assaulted by seven bandits and I got away. Because a lot no. of people say, how the hell did you do that? Right, but he wouldn't have to tell the whole story. He wouldn't have to say that. All right. I mean, so he says, it could be hey, one Lalo, person. I got assaulted by one bandit and I got away. Lalo's going to say, how the hell did you get away from well, one bandit? Well, I mean, you know, one, one person shot at the car and, 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 uh, hit the, what was it? The carburetor, whatever he hid. And 
I think it was just some kids out in the desert or whatever, and they took off running. I mean, anything. You could say anything. And I really dislike how quickly I just thought of that very plausible lie. No, it's not, though. Why not? Because it's not. Because it's not. Well, the car car had at least one bullet hole. The cup had a bullet hole. Lolo didn't see the cup, admittedly. But the car probably had more than the one bullet hole. Sure. So that's a kid shooting a pop gun in the desert doesn't satisfy that. Answer. Well, no, not that, but somebody out there shooting or something. I don't know. He could say something and he wouldn't have to tell about Mike and all that. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand why Lala would be that upset. And I, and really Mike put Jimmy in a bad spot because if Jimmy had gone back and just told Lalo, look, you know, the truth about what had happened without, you know, there again, I mean, Mike was there, so maybe not. Yeah. You answered the, you uh, get yeah. the credit for that. Cause he can't do that. Cause that reveals Mike and that reveals Gus. But, but what if he says somebody was there and he doesn't know who, well, he doesn't know who, and he still can't reveal it because he survived it, Michelle. He can't. Jimmy and his loafers and one one you know Zagnut bar and a half a cup of water can't survive on his own. Well, Mike didn't do much for him. What did Mike do? He, he just kept him off the road. All right. If we're not going to agree, that's fine. But Mike helped him survive. Mike took him off the road of peril and took him off, you know, the danger road into a safer way to, to walk. Um, well, he obviously saved him, right? Because the guy had the gun to his head. He was going to be dead. So Mike obviously saved him. But after that, the only thing he did was keep him off the road. And, I mean, that's a big deal. Lalo's not going to believe that some kids are goofing around in the desert and shot the car and ran off and ran home to their mamas. It's it's more it's more evil than that, and Lalo's going to know that. Right. And Jimmy survived right. it, and Lalo's going to question that, and that's going to bring all of Gus's plan into play. And that was why Mike was so specific about this story and how it could not be deviated from. And uh, you got to give... Uh, Saul credit for that, for not deviating from that story, particularly when Lalo was in his house. Do you, okay, switch, let's switch subjects. Do you think that Lalo getting the guy who tried to kill him with the grease on his face to call and say, hey, mission accomplished, do you think that makes Saul believe that Lalo is dead? Yes, I think it's going to make everybody believe, Gus and Mike and everybody believe that Lalo's okay, dead. so that opens a pretty big chapter of possibilities that, because like we said before, that when Gus told Hector, we killed your last surviving relative at during Salud when they poisoned Don Eladio. Mm-hmm. Bad. He said, we killed your last surviving Hector, your last surviving um, nephew, some third cousin or second some young kid that was at that salute party right he may be wrong because he may think that lalo is dead and lalo is not dead so you think lalo could still be alive even during the breaking bad time even though we didn't see him i'm just saying that maybe we can't use that narrative as a reliable way of determining whether or not lalo's alive because True. Gus, who knows all, said this was your last surviving relative. And he may be incorrect if he thinks Lala was killed in this, in tonight's episode. 
But don't you think Lalo is going to make himself known? How can he not? I don't know. Okay. But I think they're opening a door to that, and it's a really smart way of doing it. Yeah, I agree. All right, so um, I don't know. We could go scene by scene, but I think okay. I think I'm disappointed in the goofy clown troop of assassins, and I'm also a little disappointed in the story plot of Kim. What was it? Two episodes ago, saying I do not like this. I do not want you to do this, and now she's like Daenerys. That's a bit of a leap for her. It was so quick, right? I mean, it was really, really quick. And that that's another thing. That's another thing I don't like about it. Hey, don't it's, whine, Michelle. Just say it. <laughs> it's just not in... Uh, you're being mean to me, Mike. By the way, it, Michelle, I got, I'm tired of people saying I'm mean to you. You're <laughs> one of my best friends in the world, and I'm not being mean to you. I'm just... I don't think it's a priority for us to agree on stuff. I think it's a priority for us to be interesting. And I respect you enough to say what I think without just like, oh, yeah, you're right, Michelle, but perhaps you're wrong about this. <laughs> I don't need to be that way with you because you understand me. And if it Absolutely. comes across as rude, I'm sorry to you and I'm sorry to anybody who thinks it's No, if it came across as rude, you know I would tell you. Yeah, you know, know but maybe people don't know that. So. Okay. Yeah. Mike and I have been friends for 23, almost 24 years. So we kind of know one another yeah, a little right bit. Up to about 18 months ago, we were really good friends. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first 22 and a half were the hardest. But yeah. Um, but, okay, what, what were you asking about? Oh, about Kim changing. I don't like that either. I agree with you. It was too quick. That was something else I didn't like about this with Kim. It felt cheap to me to suddenly make her out to be this person. It's almost like somewhere between episode 8 and 10, they said, hey, wait a minute. What if we make Kim the yes. one that makes Saul jump the tracks and Jimmy jump the tracks and totally become Saul? Yes. I don't know, but... I'm willing to give them the chance to explain it in season six. Absolutely, because they have not disappointed me yet. And I'm very hopeful and have all, um, I have total belief that they'll be able to pull this out. But this was just, it just wasn't my favorite because of that. And I, and because of the, of the fight of, and, and the guys who went down there and they were, they were not good. I mean, we've seen Mike pick off seven people with, you know, a rifle hidden. Something, and, and then these guys can't go in there. And when they're let in the door and told where he is, it was just, yeah, I agree. I agree. That was you not know, the, the last thing I'll say as a preview, Michelle, is that I think Kim made a monumental life decision in that file storage room when Grant or Grant, whatever mm -hmm. that guy's name was, showing her all the people that were waiting trial awaiting, okay awaiting defense for their trials mm -hmm. that disorganized sad ass room <laughs> all those people lost in legalese i think she i think she had a kind of a denarius moment where she was like holy shit maybe that was maybe that was the breaking point maybe that was her discovering she had terminal cancer maybe that was her point of like wow i got to do anything i can to make these make this pro bono thing happen 
that was a profound moment for me. It, it made me look at Kim in a different way. Okay. Okay. I can kind of get behind that because I honestly didn't really even get what that was all about, except just her feeling her having a void and wanting to fill it with something. And then I just couldn't figure out. It felt like she switched gears at the end and then wanted to fill the void with the destruction of Howard in place of that. Because remember the guy kept saying to get you right here and kind of pointing at his heart area. And she wants something that will kind of get her right there. But you're right though. Cause when they're talking, she says, you know, Jimmy asked her what she would do if they made all this money. And she's talking about all the people that she'll hire and, um, Viola and all of them. And then she said, her thing is helping people. Even that's the end to doing this to Howard. That's, you know, Howard's just the means to the end. And Jimmy's like, well, I was thinking about essentially us and a house and I don't know, sipping whatever mint juleps on a porch or something. But Kim's was not that Kim's was not to retire or to make more money or whatever. Hers was so she could do that. So you, you could have a point with you that. Could ask, you could ask this question the same way. Would Walter White have become Heisenberg if he never got cancer? If he was a teacher and he was frustrated by the kids picking on him and had no money and Skyler's picking on him for spending 14 bucks at office Depot, would he have ever become Heisenberg without the, the germ, the seed of cancer for everything to coalesce around that made him into the person that he became. Yeah, I think no. Kim's, maybe this was Kim's moment for that, for her. Yeah. Okay. Well, that actually makes me feel a little bit better about it, thinking about it like that. And I guess it doesn't seem like a big enough thing because Kim's been an attorney long enough. And before she was an attorney, she worked in... Um, in, in the big attorney office, right? And she would have known this stuff. She might not have actually been in there, but she would have known it. But I guess you're right, though. I mean, here I am, I'm waffling back and forth. But she, I guess going in there, a lot of those people that their files were in there could literally be potentially sitting behind a cell waiting. What do you or mean sitting, could be? That's what they are. Doing. Well, I mean, some people are released on bond and stuff, and then and they... Kim doesn't know this. She was she was educated about this by being in that room. She didn't right. always know that. She yeah, knew... you know, I mean, she knew there was a bond. That's why she went to him. She tells she him, was, I'll take you 20. You don't think she was shocked to see all those cases in that room? She was, she was, that was an exposure to her of, like, all these people waiting for representation. She didn't I think if it. she was... That that's poorly written, because I think that as an attorney and working there, you should know that kind she's of thing. Not a pro bono attorney, though, she was like a corporate attorney becoming a pro. She's learning about this whole pro bono game, and this was a new pit, bit of information to her. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's that I again. You know, I think that's a little weak. I think she should have known and not been shocked at the the excess cases that they had. It just seems like something you would know if you worked in that courthouse. 
and saw the stuff. And plus, she's been working pro bono for a while. Another, another point of difference in our glorious friendship. <sighs> <And there> I, <laughs> right. But we do start off exactly where we left off with Jimmy and Kim watching Lalo drive away with Nacho from the window. And then Jimmy, he amazingly remembers that Mike's on the phone. I think I would have forgotten about Mike and maybe ordered a pizza or whatever and completely forgotten about him on that phone. But he picks up the phone, and Mike's cryptic about everything and won't give him any information. And then Jimmy comes clean with Kim. And that could have been part of it, too. I mean, he comes clean with her and tells her the terror that happened to him in the desert. And... That's the kind of thing that Mike was telling them, you don't do. Don't do that. You're putting them in danger if you do that. But he did it. And then they decide to leave. Do you have anything you want to say about that part? No, I would just say that, like we just talked about, I think Kim's moment came later on in that room. Okay. Well, we see him go into this swanky hotel, and Jimmy's feeling all sorry for himself, and he's sitting on the end of the bed while Kim's brushing her teeth. And then he's like, he asks her if he's bad for her. And she takes that question pretty seriously, and she sits down with him and tells him that he crossed the line, but he won't do it again. And then she just goes to bed. She leaves him sitting there in the dark. Turns out the yeah, light. I will say, too, Michelle, I'm kind of thinking about this as you're speaking, but Kim standing up to Lalo and kind of backing him down was kind of to me like Walter when he went into Tuco's hideout and he threw the fulminated mercury and blew out the air conditioner and got the money and got Jesse 10 grand for soft pain and soft he kind of stood up to Tuco right he learned that he could get away with a little bit of this shit like it it, it was one more step up for him into Heisenberg and I think maybe that encounter with Lala was one was similar to that for Kim like she realized I could back this cartel dog down holy shit I didn't I would have never thought I could do that and yet she did it and she did it pretty effectively well and two she's also shown us that she really likes the rush and we see the rush she got I even made note of it later on she gets this really big rush um, doing the dangerous stuff, doing the kind of sneaky stuff, and being able to, I don't know, pull one off on somebody. Yeah, I think that's true. But you could like the rush of robbing a bank and escape by the skin of your teeth just by pure luck. You turn a corner just as the light turns red or something and the cops crash and get away with it. Kim gets away with it because she's smart. She gets away with it because she's got a skill that she maybe didn't realize even that she had. I don't know if we know that yet. Maybe she's not. Maybe she's lucky. I mean, she didn't really have a choice. She is smart, obviously. I didn't mean that. But what I mean is her talking to Lalo, it's just like Mike Mike even said it on the phone. He told Jimmy, he said, I heard enough to know she saved you. And I don't think there was any other option and I think when the push came to shove, she decided she had to do something. And so she did. And maybe well, it was not, lucky. That's not mutually exclusive from her eyes being open to like, holy shit, I push came to shove and I had to do this. But holy shit, I did do it. I got right. away with it. Like she's, these are skill sets that she's maybe not aware that she fully has until she actually does them. And then, you know, her, her, her eyes light up. 
I don't know. Well, and and, and we've seen it before when she was uh, Giselle. We've yeah, seen that, that's, kind of. That's a blip in the road. Remember when Walt freaking did that to Tuco and he got in the car, he's like, yeah, he like screams and pounds the steering wheel. Like, holy shit, I didn't know I had that in me. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that, I yeah. That's, I think that's Kim now. I think that's her backing down Lalo. I think that's how she feels. It may be. It may be. I mean, she acts scared, but she's not as scared and worried as Jimmy. And I don't understand that. No, she's scared. She's scared like Walt was scared. He was terrified, but he overcame it. No, I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about once they get in the hotel. She goes to bed and turns out the light and leaves Jimmy quaking in his uh, in his shorts, sitting on the end of the bed in the dark. Well, yeah, that's after. She's got that dose of, like, bravado now. Right. Walt okay. never walked up and shot the... I, you, you know the whole story of Walt. He becomes bolder and bolder by moments as he does these dangerous acts and gets away with it. And the same thing's happening to Kim, I think. It just seems really quick. I would have liked to have seen it over the course of the whole uh, season in place of just over the last couple of episodes of it for her to make such a drastic change. All right. And All right, I'm so going to say that. Early. All right. What? Never mind. <laughs> I'm going to say that no matter what, no matter if it was that that changed her, the feeling of bravado with Lalo, or if it were the uh, pitiful uh, PD's office that she went into, whatever it was. I And, and we've, we've been given little glimpses through a curtain, but I would have wanted to see more and, and it leading up in place of just Giselle back, you know, episodes ago, or seasons ago. And then, the PD's office, Lalo, and boom. It just it just feels a little off to me. Okay, I've beat that into the ground. So Gus is at the burned-out Los Poyos Hermanos, and he's angry. He is not happy with what he's viewing out there. Mike pulls up and tells him about Lalo and where he's going, that he's going home, and the there's a there's a little glitch in the plan and that Nacho's with him. And Mike wants to show Nacho some consideration, but Gus could care less about Nacho, but he is happy to have a man inside. So he decides to use Nacho in that situation. That's smart. It's kind of evil. Not from Gus. Come on, Michelle. You're going to start calling Gus evil. I don't even know if I can do this podcast. Okay, then we have... um, Lalo's guard is carving something, uh, I guess a tiger or something, outside Lalo's house when Lalo and Nacho pull up to much celebration and gunfire, and Lalo introduces Nacho to everyone, but he picks out one of the guys. It's like he can't be just happy. He has to be mean to somebody. I don't know if he does that to keep everybody on their toes it's like is it going to be me but he just can't let everything go the guy had done nothing that we see he's like you're going to make me carry my own bags i mean and they had just got there they were just doing the introductions and i guarantee if the guy had walked to the to the trunk of the of the suv to pull him out he would have 
scolded him for that too, and told him to get over there and be polite or Michelle, whatever. Michelle, have you read have you read any of the recent news about Ellen DeGeneres about how how like all of her assistants or, or a lot of her assistants and ex assistants are like totally dissing her now as being this bitch, total like bitch, arrogant, like didn't care about them and were rude to them and ignored them and and all that. Have you seen any of that recent? Stuff? Not. One bit of it. That well, just a that's, first of her. That's that. kind of happening now that these people are saying she's just terrible, because she's has, she has all this power, and all these assistants have to like cower to her. And this is Lalo right now. He's got all these people like, oh, family. I'm so glad to be home. Everybody's happy to shoot off the guns, and but it's a power fear trip. They're all a fucking afraid of him. They're terrified of this guy. That's why they love. That's why they pretend to love him. It's like Kim Jong Un. <laughs> It's the best way to keep your ass safe is to pretend, you know, you're subservient to this guy. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're right, but I just feel like he keeps that over them and keeps that well, fear going that's his, that's by picking important. on somebody. Yeah. So we also notice in that scene that Nacho has no cell service at all. So then we go back to Jimmy and he's waking up in the hotel and he's asking Kim for aloe for his burns. And he notices that Kim is dressed and going to work. And Jimmy doesn't like this at all. He tries to entice her with all the amenities that the hotel has to offer, ending with, you know, starting with spa wraps and ending with midnight cheeseburgers. And Kim sees right through it and knows that he doesn't think that they're safe. And Jimmy does tell her that Lalo has people and all it would take is a phone call. And then Kim wants to make sure that Jimmy doesn't know more than he's telling her, but he assures her he doesn't. So she says then that they just have to be aware and get on with their lives, and she leaves. Yeah, Jimmy, we used to think of Jimmy as like the smart, savvy, or smarter than Kim anyway, savvier than Kim kind of in the know of the cartel in the know of like the down and dirty underworld people but Kim is the one that's smarter Kim is the Michael Corleone she's the surprise wild card now she is smarter than Jimmy about she's like you're you don't want me to go to work because you're worried that it's dangerous right he's not good enough to conceal that from her she's smart enough to uncover that and that's the truth but I've always, yes, but I've always felt like Kim was smarter than Jimmy. But I just didn't feel like she was more devious. And you can obviously get more done if you're mediocre smart in in a lot of situations and very, very devious and walk the thin line of legal and illegal than you can if you're super smart, but you're you have all these constraints. So I think that's why Jimmy was so good at doing what he did. I don't think it was that he was smarter than her. I think he was just devious and willing to do things that she wasn't willing to do. And that's another thing. Kim, being as smart as she is, if she is going to be willing to go to that dark side, I mean, Kim is going to be able to destroy people. She yeah, is. I don't, I don't know if I agree with your. If I agree okay. with your premise that devious overrules intelligence, I think intelligence always overrules anything else. But it's an interesting thought. Well, I don't think. I think devious overrules intelligence when intelligence has the moral constraints to it. 
not just as a general rule. It has to have the the law and the plain and simple black and white law with it that then I think the devious um, overrules it. But that's certainly my take. But Kim leaves. Jimmy calls Mike and demands answers. He wants to know that they're safe, but Mike hangs up on him. And I can't blame Jimmy now. I'll make a note because this would be horrifying. I mean, because he... He's had really close contact with these people in the garage with Lalo and stuff and stuff that she has no idea about. But Jimmy gets dressed um, very angrily. And then Kim is on the phone in the courthouse. She's celebrating a victory with Myra. And she runs into Grant, who's busy with all his PD stuff. And Kim wants some clients. She agrees to take 20 felonies, which stops him in his tracks. And he puts everything else on hold to take her back to the room where all the open cases were and tells her to take her pick, which is evidently not supposed to work that way, according to him. You get who you get. But he did let her do that, I guess, because she's willing to take so many or whatever. And we kind of talked about that already. Yeah, he's I, sitting on a warehouse full of need, and, and and somebody walks up and says, Hey, can I help you carry some of that weight, brother? <laughs> she, he's going to say, Shit, yeah, you can. I don't care which ones you pick. If you take some of these off my plate, I'll totally take it. Right. Well, yeah, and and he was saying, I'm on my way to do four things, and then a fifth thing, and then a sixth thing, and I've got 30 minutes to do them all. So... Sure, with that kind of hectic franticness that um, he was clearly glad to get it. But he kept pointing out about the heart thing. Do you want, you know, if you want something that's going to make you feel good, the juvenile cases, the feel-good stuff. So it would be interesting to see who Kim picked. Oh, and Grant also pointed out to her that this is not – that. These cases are going to court. This is not going to be something she can sit down with the DA and have coffee and and essentially, you know, resolve. Yeah, she's so, not turned away from any of that no. being easy stuff. It's so what? It's tough. I want twenty. And this I is want one, I want twenty. Right. And this is a lot of work. So then we go to the same where Nacho's working on his car. And, or Lalo's working in his car and giving Nacho instructions on how he would talk to Eladio when he sees him. Call him Don, tell the truth, use as few words as possible. If he likes you, he'll bump you. And then Nacho says, what if he doesn't like me? And Lalo turns on the, that charm and says, oh, you'll be fine after he's doing like all this serious talking. And then Nacho's phone, which previously had no service at all, starts to vibrate in his pocket. So he slips away to the bathroom, takes the call, and somebody tells him to leave the back gate open at 3 a.m. And Nacho wants assurance that the good people there will be protected, and he gets hung up on. So he knows what he's doing, essentially, to everybody there by doing what he's doing. And then we come to the scene where Kim runs into Howard in the elevator. And Howard takes her aside when he hears that she's no longer at Schweikert and Coakley and is very insulting to her. Oh, it was awful. Did you get that too? Yeah, I mean, Howard's just saying what he thinks is important, and he's out of tune with what Kim thinks is important. 
But beyond that, he's saying that she is being guided by Saul. It's like, um, it's like Kim, sweetheart, you're not smart enough to know. But, you know, Mesa Verde was a good client to have. And I'm sure that Jimmy had something to do with this, to push you away from this, because you would never do something like that on your own because you're too good. I mean, I don't know. It's freaking insulting. Nobody would say that to a man. Yeah. I think uh, with all due respect to you, Michelle, as my partner in this podcast, I think gender is weighing in and tipping your scale a little bit on that. You think? Because Howard's right. <laughs> she shouldn't be doing this bullshit. She had a brilliant, smart legal career and, Jimmy is influencing her. Howard is correct. And she is blinded to some of it. Not because she's a female, but whoever she is, a lawyer, as a lawyer, she's being stupid about her choices. Okay, well, let me say this. I don't know that I disagree with anything you just said, except for the fact that Howard would not have said that to a man. And yes, the gender, because he wouldn't have done it. He would he would not have done that. He would never have said to a guy that somebody's influencing their decision. How it's do you a, know that? You, I, I just asked you how you would know that, and you said, well, he wouldn't do it to a man, and you just kind of repeated it. How do you know he wouldn't do it to a man? It, just, it doesn't sub, because every guy he comes in contact with at his business meetings and stuff like that, you don't hear him talking to them like he was talking to her. That's not his his uh, modus operandi. That's not what he does. And but with Kim, it's like he feels comfortable. And look, you know, I'm not this big, you know, slap my hand down feminist or anything like that. And you on on all the other um, podcasts that we've done always accuse me of taking the guy's side. And and I I do when I feel like they're in the right, but I absolutely feel like she is in the right with this. It's none of if it's none of Jimmy's business what she's doing. It's certainly none of Howard's business what she's doing. And I could not picture Howard going up to another guy and commenting on their career change. As if he had... I didn't attach any gender to it. I think Howard's trying to help a younger attorney by saying, you're making a big mistake. You're doing these stupid... Making these stupid choices. You know, Chuck knew Jimmy better than anybody. He was right about Jimmy. And he's right. The thing in the bottom line is Howard is right. Is he? Is he right? Because what is the purpose of doing the Mesa Verde thing. Well, it's a legal, it's our legal system of how things work and doing all the stupid, you know, property rights and boundary lines and freaking whatever, getting, getting, getting guys off houses that need to be bulldozed. It's all legal. It's part of our system. It needs I know. to be done. But can't you get like somebody stupid who doesn't, or not stupid? That was no, not even nice. But get get somebody who doesn't have the passion for no, the the smartest lawyers probably do ninety nine percent of the time the most boring ass shit that can be imagined. To you and me, maybe to them it's glorious, like Chuck. Like it was probably 
fascinating. Right, exactly. Chuck would have been a great attorney for this, for Mesa Verde. Sat there calling in the stuff, except he couldn't have used the little hand recorder. But but Chuck would have been great for that. It's not a good fit for Kim. And it's not just not a good fit for Kim because she's breaking bad. It's not a good fit for Kim because Kim has so much passion, I think, for other things. So I don't know that I agree with you that she sh- Why are we disagreeing so much? Well, Howard's not helping Kim helping, quote unquote, helping because she's female and like being misogynist towards her he's he's doesn't think she gets it he thinks she's young and innocent and unaware of what she's getting herself into or what she's losing what she's leaving behind not because she's female and i could see howard saying that to a male to a stupid young you know hey i'm gonna save the world with pro bono cases and i don't care about property rights and whatever town that was Tukumkari, you know he's gonna he's gonna give his advice. Howard is giving good advice to Kim. Okay, I warranted. It's not solicited by Kim. She's offended by it. I get all that, and she's interpreting interpreting it as like, oh, you're just you're just saying this to me because I'm a woman, or maybe that's you, Michelle. I don't know, but it's it's not sitting well with her. I get all that, but it's good still, nonetheless, good advice. Yeah, I don't know that it is. So maybe that's our big disconnect. I don't know that you're not better off doing the pro bono cases and or working for the public defender's office and making whatever, you know, small amount of money that you make and living that way and doing what fulfills your soul rather than doing the stuff she was doing. I don't think it's necessary. It it might be good advice for Howard. It might be good advice for you. It might not be good advice for me. Well, it's probably more of a matter of opinion than it is like what's really correct or incorrect about it. But Howard's just basically telling her you had, you had a huge opportunity and you're blowing it. That's his, that's his opinion. And he's only saying it to Kim to benefit her, not to like, you're a stupid woman. You don't understand what you're throwing away. Not a woman. It's not a gender thing at all. I don't think. I think it's just him trying to keep her, help her keep her status that she's about to walk away from, even though she's going to do what she loves. He's he doesn't understand what she loves, and he's trying to help her keep what she worked so hard to get. I think we should put up a poll about this, Mike, and see. All right. Who thinks that Howard would have given this kind of unsolicited advice to a guy, say that some female had done something and he would go up to the male counterpart of her and say that they're influencing you wrongly? Because I'm I'm curious, seriously, what other people think. Because I really felt like, and I think Kim did too, because she talked about it and she laughed about it. She Well, she's chuckled she sinister was sinister with her chuckle with uh with jimmy talking about it that howard you know essentially thought he knew best for her and i don't know but i think it'd be a good a a good thing to take a poll on and see how other people interpreted that i'm not always big on and I'm, I'm rarely big on they're not being fair to her because she's a female. And I think you would agree with that, right? And all the other things we've done. Um, I think you're pretty swayed by how can they talk to a female like that? 
think yeah, but have I done it in other in other shows that we've I podcast? I can't remember anything specific, so I would say no. But I think no, you've the, always talked about how I took the guy's side over the girls, yeah, just that's repeatedly. Not, that's different than being swayed by somebody being a female and a guy being misogynist towards her. Kim Kim has never needed anyone to tell her what to do, and Howard is smart, and I don't think Howard's talking down to a female. I think it's Howard's trying to impart his advice to a younger attorney who he thinks is making a mistake in her career, in, in their career. How much younger do you think Kim is than Howard? I don't know. Howard's probably in his 50s. Kim's probably in her 30s, so 20 years. I don't know. Okay. Years. Well, he tells her about Jimmy's shenanigans with the bowling balls and the hookers, and Kim responds by breaking out into, like, uncontrolled laughter. She tries to suppress it, and she can't. And then she tells him he's insulting her right there. And then Howard tells her that she doesn't know Jimmy. Only Chuck did. And that's another freaking insulting thing to say. She's married to him, and he's telling her, you don't know him? I think I think Kim knows Jimmy. What do you think? Well, I think Chuck actually might know Jimmy better as an attorney than Kim knows him as an attorney. As obviously as a person you're married to, she knows him as the person. But yeah, I mean Chuck was right about Jimmy too. Chuck Chuck was right that Jimmy is a chimp with a machine gun attorney. Yeah, he's shifty. Okay, then we go to the scene where Jimmy pulls up at Mike's house. He's making a scene, carrying on, and then Mike pulls up, scolds him hard, and pushes him inside the house. And this is where Jimmy pitches a fit to Mike and says he has to know he's worried about Kim. And when Jimmy breaks down, Mike assures him that Lalo's going to be killed tonight, and tomorrow this is all going to be done. And Jimmy's relieved, and Mike tells him, now leave, and Jimmy leaves. Were you disappointed, Michelle, with Mike's house being so bucolic? Um, no. No, we've seen Mike's house before, several times. The only time I've seen it, um, like, messy was when he was drinking and had was drunk and passed out or whatever, that I recall. Um, he's minimalistic in his um, furnishings and stuff like that. But that's exactly the kind of house I would think Mike would have. Yeah, I don't recall ever seeing Mike's, the outside of Mike's house being another little cottage on the street like that. I think we've seen the outside before. Maybe not. Maybe we haven't. It seems like I remember somebody breaking into Mike's house. What was that in? I mean, in Breaking Bad, where they broke yeah, into well, Mike's Lydia house? Lydia put the hit on all of Mike's guys. Okay, the yeah. One guy was in there waiting for him. Was that the same house even? Probably had to be, huh? And Mike Mike catches the guy. But anyway, I don't remember the outside of Mike's house and this when like when Jimmy's pounding on the door, I didn't think, Oh, there's he's gonna get Mike now. I thought, well, what the hell house is this for a second? Yeah, I didn't I didn't either. I really didn't either. And it's such a sweet little neighborhood and everything that you're just like it doesn't seem like I, I agree with you. It doesn't seem like it would necessarily be Mike's place. I thought you were talking about the inside, but. So then we're at Don Eladio's and Bolsa brings, uh, is, is bringing him stacks of money and making excuses for Gus's bad luck. 
And Lalo comes in, he's schmoozing everybody up, and then he hugs Don Eladio. And they're very happy, everybody's happy. Eladio shows him the paltry, you know, in quotes, stacks of money from Gus. And Lalo says, oh, that's great. And then he pulls out a key and asks if Eladio, or asks Eladio if it's his. And then he takes him out to this spiffy car with a trunk in the front, the frunk. And they hee-haw about it. And Eladio loves it. There's a wrapped present in the trunk with a big bow. And it's a huge box of money. And este es el hombre. He's the man. Un regalo. Gift. Gift, yep. Uh, and Lalo makes, like, he kisses freaking everybody on his way through the pool. He hugs and kisses everybody. Even the, mm-hmm. even the, the babes that are arm candy. Yep. Yep, everybody. And then Lalo introduces Nacho, saying he was a friend of Tuco's, and Eladio gives him a little bit of grief for that, but then takes him off to have a talk. Yep, it's an interview. It is an interview, yep. So they're sitting and sipping, well, Nacho's sipping, Eladio's gulping tequila, and Eladio asks him how he will make him money. And I guess Nacho just has to tell the truth, like he's told few words. And he's talking about expanding the territory with the biker gangs, but he has an idea. It's not just, I'm going to do this. He has an idea because the gangs are fractured from within, and he thinks he can infiltrate that in some way or take them off one by one. And then Eladio calls him a businessman, and then he asks him what he wants. Yeah, an impresario businessman. Yes. An impresario so yeah, Lalo has an idea to put to pit the biker gangs against one another, and Eladio throws him a pretty damn good curve. Michelle, he says, "So you just want to start a war against biker gangs? How is that going to help us?" Right. And Nacho has to think. I don't know if Nacho had this all thought out ahead of time or if he thought this up on his feet right then and there, but he comes up like with his secondary step to his plan. Like, no, they're fractured, so we we pit them against each other, and they won't even know it. Right. It's pretty freaking brilliant. Yeah. I think it's something he's probably thought about doing, like if he were doing this on his own, or maybe it's something that he encouraged Hector to do. And something's ringing in the back of my head that he did encourage that with Hector or something. And Hector blew it off. But maybe I'm just... Yeah, maybe I'm going to give Nacho the credit of thinking this up on the spot as soon okay. as he's under pressure from... Uh, Eladio, that he comes right up with this, like, oh, okay, and these guys throw me a curve. Here's the answer. Here's right. The, here's a, I'm going to slap a double to right field with this curveball he threw me. And he comes up with a brilliant answer that they're fractured, so we'll pit them against each other. And how completely scary, because Lalo told, told him, you answer the truth. And the truth is, he wants to escape with his father. That's what he wants. But... What he says he wants is, I want respect, I want to make my own decisions, I want to go my own way, I want no one even thinking about playing him, and I don't want anyone looking over my shoulder. That's what well, Nacho that, says. The whole thing at Eladio's Hacienda, I guess we should call Lalo's place the Hacienda. Eladio's place is like the ranch pool, whatever, the pool house in the mountains. That's all a front for like every freaking person there is fake to one another. They're all friendly. Juan Bolsa's friendly with everybody, and he friggin' hates Lalo. 
oh, good to see you. And then Lalo one-ups him, and he's, like, rolling his eyes, like, oh, shit, I got one-up by Lalo. Mm-hmm. They freaking hate each other, but it's all, oh, we're all in business. We all love each other. That place looks freaking horrendous to me. And I, I think I told you before that that is my favorite part of both, both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. The Don Eladio salute slash ranch in the hills, girls at the pool, poison and shots and throwing up in the bathroom. That place is the best scene, most tense. My favorite part of the whole, the whole party here. See, that's funny because the parts that are that tense, I don't enjoy. And it could just be that we're coming like off this week of tornado and bad stuff here. Um, and, and tension, I guess. But I don't enjoy... Well, that's not true. I don't enjoy things when they're too tense. So it's not my favorite part because of that. I do want to see what's going to happen. And, of course, I want to watch it. But that it's really tense. You never know if somebody's going to pull a gun and just shoot somebody right between the eyes for, yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah, the belly of the beast. And there's no quick way out of there. It's like... Nacho being there, he's like gone all the way down there and all the way to there, and it's like totally surrounded by all these allies of Eladio, and it's the belly of the beast, and he's, you know, it's almost the mythical, that's where you go to get the answer, the belly of the beast, you have to go to the most dangerous place to come back and survive it and bring the answer back to the other, you know, the, the rest of the world. But I don't but know, it, I love that cartel, the, the, it's the heart of the cartel. It definitely is. But doesn't it kind of surprise you that nobody noticed how um, nervous Nacho was the whole time? I mean, he's like sweating the whole time and his eyes are open twice as big as they ever are. I know, but it's 100 degrees. It's in the Mexican desert. We know he's got a reason to be nervous. Nobody else does. I mean, Lalo's like, he's he's my man up north, my new Tuco. He's, He's cool. He's pretty cool under all this pressure. I think they showed him just right. Like, we know he's scared, but he's not showing it to the other people. Right. Well, then Eladio tells him about him saying he doesn't want to have to look over his shoulder all the time, that he's in the wrong business, mi amigo. He tells him that he's all right, and he pours more of the tequila. He feeds Don Eladio back exactly what he wants to hear. I want respect. I don't want to look over my shoulder at all these wild dogs chasing me i want respect and i want to get paid well for it and i want to grow the business yeah exactly what you would say in a job interview right you know, i hope i do he can't be meek he has to be very bold but he has to sound like he's being sincere yeah. yeah so yeah. he does it so well i mean it, it he he nails it well, back at the hotel, Kim comes in with her box of 20 felonies, and Jimmy tells her that they're safe. And Kim questions him a little bit, and he doesn't he doesn't give the information. He can't tell her, he doesn't tell her, that Lalo is going to be killed tonight, but he tells her that he trusts the information and they're safe. And she has, like, this visceral reaction. And... I think that might be what she likes so much because she literally like kind of kind of collapsed into herself and her voice was shaky and it was like this whole time of tension and then, you know, so now she wants to stay at the hotel and play. They've already paid for it. And he says it's over this time and she says, and there's not going to be a next time. 
And this is where I thought Jimmy was going to leave her, break up with her. Because he sits on the bed and he, you know, he looks like he's going to break up with her. But Kim encourages him. She says they paid for the night. She wants a spa room service and starts reading about the decadent cheeseburger, which made me want a cheeseburger every time I watched it. Yeah, they made it look that way. Like, I got all my shit packed. I'm out of here, baby. Nice knowing you. Yes. You're on your own, and I'm, you're better off without me. Right. Like Humphrey Bogart, he walks, slithers off, off into the night. Yep. But, yeah, she's she's stronger than Jimmy now, and I don't know. She's. I keep saying Michael Corleone. Michael Corleone was the meek, younger brother and godfather, and he turned out to be the godfather at the end, and that's kind of what Kim's doing here. Spoiler alert. Okay, then they're having a candlelight dinner, and she tells them about running into Howard. She brings up the bowling ball, and Saul kind of chokes on his wine. And he says, well, for what it's worth, all this happened before we got married. And then she says Howard told her all that, quotes, for her own good. And she said, like, I needed to be saved. And Jimmy's astounded that that's what she's focusing on, I think. Now, I'm reading all this into his face. He can't believe that she's not focusing on him for throwing bowling balls over Howard's wall and sending in hookers. She's focusing on how annoyed she is with Howard because Howard felt like she needed to be saved. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to say before with the gender things that Kim is, this might be her, this might be her soft underbelly is this whole being offended by this gender thing. Like Howard... Howard needs to protect me, and it really irks me, and it's a weak spot for her. Maybe, maybe, but Mike, also at the same time, you know, she's smart. It's not like she is some little dainty flower out there. It doesn't matter how smart you are. Well, she's smarter than Howard. Howard was like ready. It's a weakness she has. Mike, don't would you, you think, want... Don't you think Gus was smarter than Hector? And yet his weakness was to, like, torture him, and that's what undid him. It's it, Everybody has a soft one scale missing in their <laughs> dragon armor, and that's that's hers. She's like, she. you can't tell me that you can you know better than I because you're a man and I'm a woman or you're older than me and I'm younger. Whatever, the, whatever that scale missing piece of armor she has, that's it. She doesn't like being told that she needs help. Would you want somebody that wasn't as smart as you? It doesn't matter, Michelle. I don't, of course not. I would not want somebody dumber than me telling me what to do. But, but people that are smart have those weaknesses. Okay. Are you shuffling a decks of cards? Yeah, I just, I just had to ants around a little bit. Okay, so she says Howard needs to be taken down a peg, and she wants to know what's next. She messed up his car, his reputation, is his hair next? And then the conversation goes on and on, and they keep saying or, or, and go into something else. And then you know it's gone on for a long time because they're under the covers, and they're still talking about it. And it runs pretty sinister with Kim saying that they should set him up kind of all of a sudden and get him into real trouble. Like he's done something illegal or at least immoral in his business. 
and she says the word misconduct. And then they start talking about the Sandpiper case and how it needs to be settled and Jimmy's cut of that money and how much it would be and what all they could do and all that. And they point out that it would be good for everyone except Howard. And this is where you find out that Jimmy, the attorneys are still going to get paid and Jimmy would get 20% of that common fund. Yeah, I think we knew that already from way back in the right. days. But I think these all these jokes about escalating about Howard's stupid hair escapades are kind of an analogy for what's actually happening in this whole series where s- smaller things are becoming larger things and you know, it's the, the innocent things that grow into greater evils. This is like, how can we get How- Howard? Oh, we'll shave his hair off. No, let's dye his hair. No, let's chlorine his pool. No, let's... It's funny, but it's it's a snowball growing into something sure. that's eventually uncontrollable. But see, that feels sinister to me too, though, because it was like Kim started it like that. that. Let's... Meant, that's what I'm saying. It's meant to be sin- It's meant to be like comically funny at first, but it's sinister under underlying it is the meaning is sinister. Well, yeah, because what they started out talking about was very sophomoric, and then they suddenly go into very, very serious stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't want Nair in my shampoo. No. No. Okay, remind me to tell you a funny story about that at some point. So, then Nacho is in the kitchen. He's making some type of lock stopper to put on the gate at 3 a.m. And it's like eight minutes to three when he's doing this. And he tries to sneak out, but first the guard sees him. But that's okay. They just kind of nod at one another. And then when he gets out the door, there's Lala with a campfire. And he invites Nacho to sit, and he chats with him about lack of sleep and such. And Lalo tells him that when he gets back up north, he's going to be halfway to being a Salamanca. And Nacho is sweating bullets here. So he tells Lalo that he wants something stronger than the beer, and Lalo tells him where to go to get it. So Nacho goes inside and sets a skillet on the stove with oil, turns it up high, and comes back out with the liquor. Really smart thinking on his feet as far as to get Lalo away from him. Also really ballsy, because he walks out at like two miles an hour so slowly. His time is running out. It's, what, one minute to three? Probably, yeah. at the gate. He's running out of time. He's distracted by Lalo at the fire and all this bullshit. And then he comes back with this drink. He doesn't rush back with that bottle and the two glasses. He walks so deliberately and slowly that, I mean, Lalo does, has no idea that Nacho is worried about anything at this point. Mm-mm. Not at all. Not at all. But Lalo's saying he only sleeps an hour or two a night. And it's a gift. That is crazy. Because he that... can think while, he, while other people other are people... away from him. Mm-hmm. So Lalo notices the house smoking. He runs inside. Nacho runs to the gate. The guys are there. He tells them that Lalo's in the kitchen, and he runs out. This is why I think Lalo thought up with Don Eladio, why, how he thought up the biker gangs pitted against one another. Because he thought up this frying pan thing in one second. He's, he's, a, he's a brilliant thinker. Well, that, and he automatically knew how to undo one of those gates. Did you see what he did to open it? He's like sticking some kind of foil down in it or something. I mean, who knows that stuff? 
So he's street smart. He's quick witted. He's quick thinking. But then the fight of the series, I guess, ensues. The guys go in the kitchen, but Lalo uses the boy that he scolded earlier and who he's now blaming for the kitchen fire as a human shield. The boy gets shot because Lalo's using him as a shield, and then Lalo throws the hot oil in one of the assassin's faces. And then he goes to the bathroom, lifts the tub, leaves it up, and crawls in a crawl space outside to outside his compound. Yeah, we already and, talked about all this. This was pretty goofy. Goofy that those guys were such knuckleheads. Goofy that Lalo circles back and then shoots him in the tunnel without even looking, holding the gun 100 feet away, shoots and kills. That's a hard thing to do with a gun like that. It just was goofy. Plus, you shoot. it's a tunnel, so there's two guys, one guy ahead of the other guy. You hit the one guy, he's going to block the bullets from hitting the second guy. It was goofy. It was a it was a shootout that they probably threw in there for all the mouth breathers that want to see gun gunshots and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I was not a fan of it either. Like I said, we see Mike perform this just precision execution. There was no reason for them not to go in there and just like lay in wait for him. I mean, no reason as far as that kind of thing goes. That's what Mike would have done. Yeah, silencer to the head. One right. Shot, boom. Not automatic, automatic loud rifles where the whole household wakes up. But the guys take the bait. They go down the hole under the tub. They're chasing Lalo. Lalo kills the guy who's guarding the tub after he's walked back in. And then, like you said, shoots down the tunnel. And he wounds one of the guys in the tunnel. And while all this is going on, we go back to Saul and Kim. And Saul's splashing water on his face. He's feeling better. Kim's making him an ice cream sundae from a great room service ice cream bar thing they brought up there. They sit down to eat their ice cream. And Kim asks him what he'd do with the money. And they start. this is where they start talking about the money and what all they'd do. And they figure that uh, they'd get about $2 million. But Jimmy says, this is not happening. This isn't a bar trick. And he says, this is scorched earth. And they've used that before. Didn't he use that in the Kevin thing? Probably. And that Howard doesn't deserve that. And Kim is just looking at him while he's talking. She's got this wide-eyed, you know, like, keep talking. So then she says that they're only talking about a career setback for one lawyer. That's all. And then Jimmy says, well, it's not you. You would not be okay with that in the cold light of day. And she looks at him and she goes, wouldn't I? And Jimmy does not look happy at all. And then Kim gets up to go take a shower and Jimmy asks her again. He's wanting to know that she's just kidding. And then she comes back at him with this little shooty thing with her fingers. Yeah, it was the exact opposite of last season's ending. Yep. Where Jimmy says, better call Saul and points yep. his fingers and she does it to him. And the camera zooms away from Kim like being lonely and alone and small. And now Jimmy's alone and small. Yep. You're right. I didn't I didn't put that together, but you're right. So back at Lalo's house, he's found the injured shooter alive. He gets him to get on the radio like we talked about and say that the job's done. Then he looks around and he notices the chair that Nacho was sitting in and the untouched whiskey and he notices all the death in the house even the older housekeeper and he limps away looking very unhappy and yet very determined 
So, Michelle, that's the end of 510, Something Unforgivable. What do you think the Something Unforgivable was? Yeah, because we have kind of said that the whole time about everything, right? I mean, there's a lot of unforgivable, isn't there? Well, what's one thing? Um, what's the one thing that's... Or what's one thing that's unforgivable? Well, what Nacho did to Lalo is unforgivable. Um, what Kim is talking about doing, and I mean, you know, I'm using, I don't know that unforgivable is the word I would choose in any of these, but it's pretty bad stuff anyway. Um, Maybe they mean it by some, some in, the, in the context of like something you can't go back on and ask for forgiveness. Like once you've gone down this route, you cannot go back. It's unfor, it's un redeemable yeah it's irredeemable it's can't you can't get forgiveness for this once you do it like howard like kim dissing howard like the way she wants to will never be forgivable yeah i think howard putting his two cents into their relationship is pretty bad too that's the kind of thing that you don't look back on very kindly but yeah that's a pretty strong difference of opinion between me and you. <laughs> I know. I think, it's the, I think it's the older attorney helping the younger attorney, and you think it's like, how could he, how dare he? <laughs> well, I really do, because she is so smart, and she's proven herself to be I so smart. I believe you do. I can hear you, and I understand where you're coming from. I just, I just don't think I see it the same way. Well, tell me another situation that he's had with anybody where he's giving them personal life experience like I don't that. I we've seen one. I, I don't think we need to see one, Michelle. I think it's I think it's it's understandable either way. He could be a total misogynist asshole towards women, or he could be a guy just trying to give advice to somebody he sees like off track. He or he could just be an asshole toward everybody. He could be. He could because be. that's what you're saying. You know, it's not that he's either that way toward women or he's just some guy who's given advice. He is an asshole. And it's just, is is he just an asshole to her because I she's a woman? I think he's an asshole. Okay. I think he saw Jimmy being a lost soul and he's like, namaste, Jimmy. I found my, we saw Howard pretty low and he recovered from it. And he was trying to impart some of that recovery knowledge onto Jimmy. And Jimmy's like, fuck you. I don't need that. I'm, here's what you deserve, dude. Bowling balls in your car. Howard is not an asshole. He's like a he's like a decent guy. I don't think he's not a decent guy, but I just think that putting well, we've beat this to death. I just think that putting your opinion on something that is an opinion to somebody else like that is stepping way over a line. Yeah, I get it. I think you believe that. I really see that you believe that. I just don't <laughs> think so. But that's what makes having people that differ on podcasts and disagree and sometimes are mean to each other, world <laughs> out there, makes it freaking way more interesting than, oh, you're right, Michelle, that's such a great point. And they just smooth and rub each other's backs the whole freaking time. There are podcasts out there that I cannot listen to. Well, Mike, I disagree with you, but I'm still sweet to you. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I can't resist. It's funny, though, that I can't think of one thing specifically spectacular that stands out as being, well, that was so unforgivable. Clearly, this episode is named after that. 
a, yeah, you know, I don't... a lot of people took paths that they cannot go back on. Lalo now with, or uh, Nacho with Lalo is done. Oh, yeah. Kim with Howard is done. Uh, Kim with Kevin. I, she quit yes, last, not yesterday, but last episode, right? Well, and she said, as of yesterday, I no longer work there. Yeah, so, that yeah. Was last episode. That wasn't right. this episode. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe something between Jimmy and Kim that I'm missing that I'm not grasping, but I don't think so. I think they're kind of, kind of on the same track, although she's leapfrogged him in, in treachery. Well, see, I don't think Jimmy, when he's saying you couldn't face this in the light of day, I think he's talking to himself. Because that's not something Jimmy wants to face in the light of day, doing that kind of thing to Howard, I think. So. Well, Kim Kim is more Saul Goodman now than Jimmy is Saul Goodman. Saul Goodman, Jimmy might become Saul Goodman sometime off into the future in episode 7 of season 6. But right now, Kim is more Saul Goodman than Jimmy is. So, what happens? What's your take know. on next time? I have no idea, man. I like that they did this, though. I like that they didn't make Kim the poor, unfortunate stander on the side of the road as Saul Goodman barrels his way to, you know, evil. And she's a, she's she's fodder. You know, she's... She's the fallout of his demise. She is like the cause of it now. Maybe. Like Maybe. And she he asked her, am I bad for you? And we're seeing that she's bad for him. Right. And the fact that he asked if he's bad for her, like he's concerned about it. And she's not concerned if she's bad for him by needing this money for the pro bono. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. And I that's what say, we I think I was right, Michelle, that when she saw that hundred grand in the bag, she's like, Holy shit, this is a way for me to get what I want and now she sees two million. If we diss Howard and get his oh, it's a little sidetrack for his career. It's not. It's a ruining of his career. Gets them two million and that gives her resources to start this pro bono. That's what she's gonna do, because that's her goal. Okay, I thought I was the one who said that about the money. Did I say something different? Because I completely thought that she was feeling like because Saul got that money that she felt the freedom to now go do the things she that 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 fulfilled her. Well, maybe you did. I'm I'm I definitely thought that. Okay. When she saw that money, that was her avenue towards getting what she wanted. Right. Yeah. All right, Michelle. That's it for this season. It was a great season like always but who knows when we'll get season six i hope not too far off i know i know it's not the same when they wait too long and always anytime it's over a year it reminds me of the sopranos and i don't remember how long it was back in the day children back in the day they um I always sound so old when I say that, but they used to have like stuff come on at the same time every year. Like it de debuted in the fall and it was a new season and you could look forward to it. And it went on. It wasn't like these 10 episodes of something. It was what? 25 episodes, 30 episodes. And then you took the summer off and then the shows came back on. And now they do like these little 10 episode shows and they're gone for 
two or three years. Well, I don't for two years now because of all the stupid stuff we got going on in the world. It's well, their plan. Absolutely, and not their fault. I'm just saying it's completely different when you can pick stuff up reasonably soon. I think it keeps the momentum going, and it and you can remember. Well, Michelle, welcome to life. Cars are different. Computers are different. Oh, goodness. You're being mean to me. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'll see you in 24 months. <laughs> okay, Mike. We'll see you then. All right, Michelle. Thanks for a great season. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Bye-bye.